Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Top story that we wanted to get into today, uh, police have made arrests in Kingston, Ontario, related to what they say is a major national security probe. They say it's been going on for the last couple of weeks now. And, uh, well, it's rather bizarre because apparently people up in the Kingston area thought something was going on, but they didn't really know what. And I'm not so sure they do now. Joining us to talk about uh, what could be happening is Phil Gursky. Uh, Phil, of course, is the president and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting. Phil, good to have you with us today. Thanks on a busy day taking some time for us. My pleasure, Bill. From what you've heard in the news reports now, what is going on out there? Because uh, we've heard reports about some strange airplane that was flying around the Kingston area and uh, people were complaining and uh, the authorities weren't giving them any information on this and now arrests being made. One of them is a minor. Yeah, you know, when I, when I saw this story break last night, Bill, I, this, this really threw me for a loop for a couple of reasons. One is the lack of information. I understand the RCMP will be giving a news conference at some point this morning to explain it. Um, second part, Kingston, which is not a place you normally associate with a national security investigation. Yeah. And the third thing, there was this plane flying around that you mentioned, and I can't for the life of me remember a single case that, that I was familiar with in my, in my time at CSIS where aircraft were involved. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. The RCMP does have aircraft. They use for a variety of reasons. But I've never seen one in conjunction with a national security file. And they're suggesting it's it's doing as an anti-terrorism operation. And that even strikes me as, as even a bit more bizarre. And I have a lot more questions than I have answers at this point, Bill. I know. And, and of course, in the absence of information comes speculation. And I, I guess that's really what we're doing here, Phil. But, but it, it just seems odd, as you say, uh, that uh, the, the little bit of information we do have so far, they've used that term, national security risk, but at the same time they say, well, the risk uh, level is not going to rise. So it was, was this a threat or wasn't it? Well, you know, the fact, you know, when, you, when you talk national security, I mean, if you look at what CSIS and the RCMP do, national security covers a number of areas. It can cover espionage, uh, it can cover foreign interference in Canada, and it can cover things like terrorism. The fact that they talk about the threat level, which is something that the, the government establishes periodically to tell Canadians, you know, what is the risk of terrorism in, in, in our land, suggests to me that of, of those three I mentioned, espionage, foreign interference, and terrorism, this is terrorism, because you wouldn't, you wouldn't talk about the threat level if it was an espionage case or a foreign interference case. So, yeah, it, there was some kind of investigation that went on. I have no idea if my former colleagues at CSIS were involved. It's possible, but it seems to be something that, They've been on to for a while and have elected to make arrests. And again, the, the role of the aircraft, um, what they were looking for, why they were deploying it, that's a really great question at this point. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, you know, they obviously knew the address. They knew the location uh, where these people were living. Uh, you know, knock on the door. I mean, why Why the air thing? I, I'm wondering, the same as you, what are they looking for here? And What role, if, uh, obviously did play some kind of a role. And they've been doing this apparently for a few weeks now. This plane's been flying around. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was talking to somebody about this earlier, and I mean, did they have some kind of special equipment on the aircraft that could detect certain substances, you know, like some kind of an infrared signature or something? I don't know. I don't know what these aircraft have, have loaded on board, but it just seemed odd you would use air, you know, aerial surveillance in a case where you could just easily have done, you know, physical surveillance or, or got a warrant or whatever. So, yeah, it's just, it just, it's so strange from many perspectives. And the other thing which is interesting, of course, is that um, one of the two arrested is a minor. Now, that's not the first time this has happened. Uh, way back in, in 2006, we had the Toronto 18, and five of those were under the age of 18. They were, they, were, they were minors. But it's not that common in Canada to have minors arrested on what looks to be a terrorism investigation. So, yeah, I'd be interested to see um, who the people are 
And what actual plot, because this was apparently a plot somewhere, assumingly in Kingston, what they were planning on doing. Yeah, that, that's because, and again, there's the media conferences, hopefully is going to answer some of these questions. But uh, just back to the aircraft for just a second here, Phil. I mean, with your experience in this, if this thing is flying around, and it was a news story in Kingston, where what's that plane? I mean, a lot of people were asking. They were calling radio stations, asking newspapers. Uh, uh, doesn't that send up a red flag to the bad guys too? I mean, they they must think it. Maybe they're looking at us. I mean, I know. If it, even if there's not a sense of paranoia there, they got to think we're doing something wrong here. And now all of a sudden, there's an airplane up in the sky. Do you think they didn't put two and two together? You'd think so, right? But um, in my experience, Bill, um, bad guys can be pretty stupid sometimes. And, <laughs> and maybe they didn't. Put so this two is not like together. the movies. These are not master criminals. No, not 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 from what I've seen. But no, you would think that. If, if people were talking about this aircraft, like normal, you know, residents of Kingston noticed this plane flying around, it'd been quite the topic of conversation for quite some time, you'd think that at some point the bad guys, and they're only alleged bad guys at this point, yeah. would have taken notice as well. So, yeah, you kind of wonder about that. But sometimes, you know, you do things in an overt fashion because you kind of want to, you want to let the bad guys know you're onto them, because um, that, can, that can change their behavior and get them to stand out at the same time. Where did the information come from, do you think? And again, I'm, I'm sure we'll get some speculation, but you and I have talked in the past about Canada being a member of the Five Eyes, uh, and there have been incidences here uh, where we have, well, I was going to say we've uncovered, actually somebody else has uncovered uh, some some nefarious activity and gone, and they've passed it on to authorities here. The uh, one a couple of years ago in the London area where the uh, the guy was actually making bombs, they just caught him on his way into it, grab a cab to go to the mosque in London, remember that story. But we apparently got that from, from Australian and, and UK authorities, not from Canadian authorities. Uh, and it's going to be interesting because you and I have talked in the past about, well, really about staffing and whether or not we've got enough eyes in, uh, of our own here to look after some of this stuff. Yeah, those, those are great points, Bill. And, and, and I think what this points to is, um, it's funny, you mentioned this Chats Roy case, which was, a, you know, the FBI tipped off the RCMP. And people saw that as an incredible intelligence failure from a Canadian perspective. And I argued it's actually incredible intelligence success because you have an ally like the Americans, I know we talk a lot about the U.S. today, and you know things aren't going that well between the two countries for reasons we won't get into. But I think what it shows is once again we have a very robust, excellent professional relationship with the FBI. They have no qualms in sharing intelligence with with CSIS and the RCMP in, in files where either we can help or there's files that involve Canada. And so again, it's hard to know with all the you no know, details um, being let out so far, but. My guess is the FBI was in constant contact with the Mounties and said, hey, we've learned this. Let's work together to neutralize this plot. So I, I think this is a very good story um, in the sense that arrests were made. Nothing has happened. No one got hurt. No one got killed. Nothing, nothing went boom. So to me, this, again, is a, an illustration of, of how good the relationship actually works between the two countries. Well, as you say, especially given the political climate down there, it's quite possible the FBI people that were doing the monitoring here were not being paid. So they're doing this because of dedication to their job. Uh, and, and that's to be commended as well. How do you how do you organize a, a response to this, though, when you get this information? Uh, obviously, they watched this place for a while, and, and you know, I'm sure they've got a, a log as to what was going on, who was going in and out, etc. But uh, why pull the plug today, or yesterday, as it turned out? Well, and hopefully we're going to find that out, Bill. My guess is that something has happened. And, and I'll give you um, an example of something that I worked on when I was at CSIS uh, a couple of years ago. And it was a case where we learned that, well, we in the Mounties learned that um, somebody was planning on traveling. And at that point, we thought, okay, we can't wait for this any longer. We can't let this person leave the country because we knew what they were possibly going to be up to. 
and that's when the arrests were made. So I think sometimes what happens is that you learn of something through your surveillance or, you know, they probably and they may have had um, intercepted, uh, you know, warranted intercepts, telephone and all that kind of stuff. And something came up and it said, OK, uh, this changes the landscape. Um, it's now become a little more dangerous than it. You know, this is a bit of a watching brief, but now it's become a little more dangerous. And in view of public safety and making sure nothing goes goes wrong, we're going to pounce now. So I'm guessing that's exactly what happened in this case is that they learned of something which basically sped up their decision to move it from just surveillance to, to actually taking action. You know, when you look at this, and you mentioned we talked about the Strathroy example a couple of minutes ago, and then there's the Toronto 18 from a few years ago now. Uh, we it's trying to find a balance, I guess. This is kind of a reminder, Phil. I mean, well, I, we don't want to get to the point where we think there's a terrorist behind every tree, yet we shouldn't be naive enough to think nothing goes on here. No, and it, exactly. You make a very good point. And, you know, like, who would have thought Kingston, right? I mean, when you think, if you're going to think terrorism, you're going to think the major centers, you know, um, Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, maybe Ottawa, maybe Calgary, but you're not going to think Kingston, even though, you know, RMC is there, Queens is there, and there's all kinds of military bases there as well. But I think what this shows is that it can happen anywhere. It doesn't normally happen. And in fact, there's a very rare occurrence in this country, and that the, the data shows that. But, you know, we had a guy up in Timmins, Ontario, who became a spokesperson, spokesperson for Islamic State. We had a guy from Kempsville, Ontario, south of Ottawa, a small farming town, became a spokesperson for Islamic State. So it, 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 I think it reiterates and supports the notion that terrorism is not limited to the major urban centers. Uh, it can happen anywhere, and this case might be a good example of that. Well, there you go with the Internet once again. I mean, and you go back to the Strathroy example. That was a singular guy. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, through the Internet and websites, you can be attached to anybody you want, get the information you want to do pretty much anything. But this this sounds, and again, you know, we're speculating, this sounds a little more intricate than that. If there have been at least a couple of arrests, you got to wonder if there's something, uh, well, the, exactly what these guys had planned or what they were planning on doing and why the air surveillance. So there's so many questions here. It's a rather bizarre story. It, it really is. I'm, I'm hoping the RCMP is going to give us a bit more information. My understanding is they're, they're going to go live at, at 10 a.m. this morning. Uh, I'm hoping that we learn a bit more. In, you know, obviously, don't give away the don't give away the store because you have to still make a case in court. But I think Canadians want to know. Okay, you know, what kind of investigation was this? Um, why did you choose to act now? And how serious was this? The fact that the arrests have been made uh, in in the wake of uh, this this bizarre surveillance scheme with the airplanes. I think Canadians have a right to, to at least some information that uh, what exactly was up. And, and why did you choose to act? And uh, and then hopefully they're going to be forthcoming with that in, in you know half an hour or so. Well, again, as you mentioned, because of the sharing of information with the Five Eyes uh, and other uh, security agencies and uh, that sort of activity, uh, we run the possibility, too, that this could be something to do with a, a plot that was actually being targeted someplace else. I mean, you think of the case of the, what we call the Ancaster hacker here from a year or two ago. Mm. Uh, you know, that was, again, U.S. intelligence that brought that to us. And it was actually, you know, they wanted him down there to, to face a trial. He's... He's in, in jail right now, but it was Canadian authorities that executed that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the thing is, with, with the ability of people to connect online, you know, you can be talking to somebody in Afghanistan or Southeast Asia or wherever in real time, and people share information, they share ideas, they share inspirations, and sometimes they share attack planning online. So, again, it's really hard to say exactly how, what the American angle was on this. It could have been something simple as, you know, the, he was maybe, these people were in touch with somebody in the States that the FBI had on their radar, and that's why they passed it on to the RCMP. But uh, again, I, I think this just goes to show that it's complicated. Terrorism is a complicated phenomenon. It doesn't uh, just happen, 
you know, in the places you think it's going to happen. And, and thank God we have the authorities like, like CESAs and the RCMP and their international partners who are on top of it, and they take action when they have to to stop uh, people being hurt. Yeah, two arrests we've made, but the two different addresses. Now, I, I don't know Kingston that well. I mean, one is on Kingsdale Avenue in Kingston. The other uh, is on McDonnell, uh, and I don't know if those are, are nearby each other, but it shows that there seems to be something going on. It's not it's just a, one individual in one particular household, so that some kind of teamwork, I guess, was involved in this. Yeah, I, I guess, would you call it a cell if only two people are involved? It's uh, a bit of a stretch of the term, but clearly there's a, more than one individual involved who've been, you know, they've been uh, arrested and alleged to have, who have done this. It's important to point out they haven't been found guilty yet, but I think what it does point to is that, yeah, it's a bit larger than just one person. And, um, you know, again, how close were they? Were they friends? Were they relatives? Did they go to school together? Who knows? These are all questions we have to answer, but clearly it points to the fact that, uh, the Nannies were onto this, and as I said, thank God that they um, did a job they did and, and they made the arrest when they did. When they say that the public has no reason to be concerned about this, uh, can we assume from that, Phil, that they got everybody who they thought is involved in this? I think so. You know, the threat level, as I mentioned, is, is established by, by Public Safety Canada in, in conjunction with what the RCMP and CISA share with them, and you only budge that, that meter when you absolutely have to. You don't want to spread panic. And so this indicates that whatever they were planning, whatever however large or small scale it was, they wrapped it up, and there's no need to um, make Canadians afraid that more is going on out there, to the best of our knowledge. Yeah, and, and the level is considered to be medium right now, but uh, you know, before anybody gets too worried about that, it's been that way since, what, 2014, I guess? Uh, absolutely, since the attack on Parliament Hill. Yeah. So you would think that you know, an event like that would lead authorities to say, oh, my God, you know, we're really in trouble. But, no, it hasn't budged since that time, which, again, to me, is a really important message for Canadians that, you know, terrorism is not an existential threat to Canada. We do have problems. We do have individuals who want to carry out attacks here or go abroad to join terrorist groups. But in the long run, we're, you know, we're not Afghanistan. We're not Somalia. We're not Nigeria. Uh, let's take a deep breath and uh, just remind ourselves of that because, if you give in to this, this, this fear and panic, then you start making bad decisions. And I don't think we want to do that as Canadians. Well, like uh, you, we'll be watching uh, later on this morning and see if hopefully we can get some of these questions answered. Phil, as always, thanks so much for spending some time with us and trying to shed some light on this. My pleasure, Bill. Take care. That's Phil Gursky, of course, President CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting and former CSIS member himself. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.